If you're someone who's passionate about transforming education, which you are if you're listening to this podcast, you should check out the Charles Koch Foundation. The Charles Koch Foundation supports social entrepreneurs and organizations that are embracing innovation to build better solutions for today's learners. Visit ckf.org to learn more. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salusto here with you again in another episode. I think I've said that 370 times or so now that I'm back again for another episode. I'll never stop. We have guests now booked out, I think, until July of 2022, like 74 guests. Apparently, we don't ever say no, Elvin, uh, to anybody that wants to come on the podcast. So uh, shout out to our producer, Elvin Freitas, who continues to bring on the most important and brightest folks in higher ed, business and industry to talk about, boy, a uh, uncertain at times, but exciting future of higher education. I will just uh, remind you all, and you'll hear me do this another 370 times until it comes out, that uh, my co-author and I, Kate Colbert, are writing a book. Um, that uh, is called Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education. We just revealed the title. As this episode comes out, it'll be a month probably or so from our title our title and cover reveal. And then pre-orders will go out. And of course, it will contain the insights of our 100 plus college and university presidents. And we'll be collating all of those ideas, themes, uh, uh, problems, everything with some of our own thoughts to give everybody a resource for what the future looks like in higher ed. Um, for you, by you, if you will. So with that said, I'll stop the self-plugging um, and instead shift to my co-host today. You've, you know who he is. Let's just put it that way. That could be good. That could be bad, depending on who you are out there. Um, he does know his stuff. Let's just put it that way. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the guru of online learning, Dr. Bill Pepicello. Bill, Thank what's you. happening? Thank you, Joe. Nice to be with you again. Um, I wish I could get the uh, the same self promotion that you do, but uh, as you know, I don't do much. So, well, you do know a thing or two about online learning, which is why you get the gong. Ah, well, I've, I've been around for a while, so I know a little you, bit. Yeah, I'm mean, a long, long while. Let's just be honest with the audience. Pretty much. Here. All right. Anyway, um, every time Bill talks, if, if you've listened before to Ed Up, I think this you must have uh, co-hosted with me, what, probably 10 times now, Bill? I have about that. Yeah. Then you know that every time he speaks, he gets the gong because he just knows. He just knows all. <laughs> anyway, my guest today is doing some really innovative work um, with what she has going on. Uh, I'm going to introduce her now. Here she comes. Ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Saxton from she's co-founder and chief operating officer at Peloton News. Sarah, what's happening? Oh, you know, just kicking it here in Austin, Texas, watching you guys make fun of each other. It's pretty fun. I'm into yeah, it's it. Fun for me to make yeah. fun of Bill. I'll tell you what. I can I can get on this bandwagon. I'm all I'm all in. Okay, well then <laughs> then okay. Here we go. All right, here we go. Let's see that I got buttons for everything to describe. Sarah, let's let's set the stage. Tell our audience about Peloton U, where you are, what you have going on, um, when you started. Give us the give us the elevator. Oh my goodness! You want the you want the short version of that story because it is a long story. I know you got you got a podcast microphone in front of you now, so you do whatever you want. 
<laughs> oh gosh, that was a that was a bad choice on your end. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So Peloton U is a, a nonprofit. We're based here in Austin, Texas, and until uh, 2020, uh, exclusively worked in Austin, Texas. Uh, and our uh, mission, if you will, literally and well, whatever, our mission uh, is to help any post-traditional student who wants to earn a college degree do so without having to kind of blow up the rest of their life. Um, and so what we've been able to do is partner with some really amazing competency-based universities that are online that have great high quality project-based workforce aligned learnings that our students are, are getting some meaningful education and skills on that front super flexible in terms of schedule and skill level for our students. And then we do all of the wraparound support. So our sort of secret sauce or magic ingredient is um, one, honestly at our core is believing that our students have everything they need within them. And our, our job is just to partner with them and help them navigate the complexities of, you know, being a, a 27 or a 37 or a 47 year old going to college and working. Um, but we do have a really uh, intentional focus on a lot of the emotional and psychological obstacles that we face when we participate in the post-secondary system and then the logistical support, obviously, as well, and, and the academics. And so uh, we've been doing that work since 2012. Um, we've, we're, we are uh, good entrepreneurs on our good days. And so we like to pivot and iterate. Oh, I feel like I should throw yeah. some other, like, you know, synergy. Um, so, you know, we've, we, uh, we have a really high value on designing with our students. And so we've made a lot of changes over the years in partnership with them um, based on their feedback and their ideas. And so it's been cool to watch, uh, you know, over time, how it's shifted to meet students' needs and how we've sort of responded to that. That's everything from like, literally everyone who's ever been hired at Peloton U has been interviewed by students to like, we started staying open later and and working on Saturdays um, or working our study spaces on Saturdays because students were asking for them and saying that that's what they needed. So that's been really cool. And then, you know, the sort of uh, most recent evolution of, of Peloton U, you know, is we're one of the first uh, three hybrid colleges is sort of the phrase we've we've come to, even though we're not technically, we're not a college for, but you know, whatever. Uh, just naming things is hard. Um, but we're one of the, the first three hybrid colleges alongside Duet up in Boston, and then the Da Vinci Extension folks out in LA and sort of kick this general model off, right? This competency-based education plus, you know, really relational, robust support to help students uh, complete on time and with, with a little to no debt. Um, and we all really, all of the hybrid colleges sort of operate within a specific geography, right? We have this, this thesis that uh, place-based intervention and sort of local context and knowledge and having a study space to go to is, is vital to student support. Um, and it is, uh, but it's not quite as vital as we thought. And so one of the big things we've learned during COVID um, is that our coaches and students can build the kinds of relationships that lead to their success uh, in a totally virtual environment. And so much to my surprise and chagrin, to be honest, because I was like a diehard, like in-person matters. This is like, this is how you get social capital built. I mean, I was, it would take a global pandemic to get me to change my mind, to be quite honest, <laughs> be a bit stubborn. Um, when I think it's like right for students, I can be a bit stubborn. Um, but yeah, what, what we learned is for about 75% of our student body, um, they were able to uh, really feel quite successful studying uh, outside of our study spaces. And so that has opened up um, a sort of a new chapter for us where we're now um, starting to partner with folks across the country uh, where they see a need for a model like this in their community and sort of work with them to figure out how we can 
design with them and design with their students to make sure that they've got access to this kind of a pathway if it's what they want um, and is aligned with their goals. You so know, there's, there's so much there. I love it. Yeah. There's a lot right. there. And yep. uh, typically I'll go two, three questions before I bring Bill in, but Bill, I think I, I see you nodding and I could just totally see your wheels turn. So I'm going to kick it to you right away if you have a question. Oh yeah, boy, I've got all kinds of questions because obviously I uh, have been involved with similar models mm -hmm. um, from the eighties um, all the way back. Um, but I mean, everything you're saying just resonates with me. And it's, it's always interesting to find out that what you think is gonna work for students isn't really what they're particularly interested in. Yeah. And you know, years ago, we went through the same thing where students were, would be very unhappy for reasons that we didn't understand, like we weren't open late enough and on weekends. Um, and then we had to discover when we went fully online that the, actually some online students do wanna come and get face-to-face -face interaction. Um, especially for for things like tutoring or, or anything that has to do with finances. They like to sit with the person they're, they're dealing with. But uh, the real question I want to get to, because this is, I think I have a good idea about how your model works, but a lot of the people who don't um, and will listen to this, I think need to understand what it is you do. Um, so if you could hit on things like, um, you know, where do you get curriculum? Yep. Uh, now, say a little bit about competency-based um, uh, education and things like who, you know, who awards the degrees and where does the accreditation come from? Because as, as people in traditional higher ed look at your model, there I, I can feel them scratching their heads out there. Uh-huh, yep. Yeah, we've definitely run into that, uh, you know, specifically as Peloton U and then sort of more broadly uh, as the, the hybrid college network and, and model, which because I also co-chair the hybrid college network, because um, why have one job when you can have two, right? Sure. Um, yeah, those are great questions, Bill, and it's... Um, always a little complex to explain as sort of at first. And, and when I'm being my very um, snarky and silly self, which is 99.9% .9 of the time, the way I explain it is like Peloton U is, is functionally just like a, a, any other college completion nonprofit, right? We're not a college. Um, we are sending students to colleges and then we are helping to make sure that they get through those colleges, right? Like at, at its we're actually not all that innovative really in the in the sort of basic formula but where we um have really found a, a solution that students say is working for them and we see evidence is working for them is in uh i don't say vetting because that's not quite that's not quite it but we, we are trying to serve let me actually pause for a second. So what I think generally is that the higher ed landscape just needs a lot more kinds of options for students so that people can get exactly what they need, right? right. I don't think this is the silver bullet for everybody. I don't think going to a you know $50,000 a year liberal arts college in rural Massachusetts is the solution for everybody. I don't think workforce training, like we need options. So we're trying to design for people who will benefit from what we do. And so that means that our university partners are a very, very limited group of universities. So we work specifically with folks that are um, typically nonprofit, like, you know, typically nonprofit, but not always. Uh, we worked with Patton University way back in the day, like the university now era, like feels like three decades ago, it was eight years. Um, 
but we typically work with folks that are nonprofit, regionally accredited within their sort of respective places. They're delivering their curriculum virtually, so online. Um, they have sort of values alignment with supporting students holistically, because um, that's the value we're sort of bringing to the table and want to make sure that's something that is shared with leadership there. But the competency-based part is the really big piece of it. So mm -hmm. our, the university that we work with that our students um, prefer the most is the competency-based program at Southern New Hampshire University. Um, and specifically the CBE program, um, our, our students are not matriculating to the sort of mainstream arm. And then we also uh, have worked with Brandman, now UMass Global uh, and Western Governors as well. And the reason that students are so enamored with Southern New Hampshire's competency-based program in particular is because it's really clear what skills they're trying to learn, right? Like what competencies they're trying to demonstrate proficiency in. Um, it feels pretty relevant. Most of the curriculum is, uh, feels very real world to students and, and, you know, they talk about, uh, using new skills in the workplace that they've learned from their SNU projects, Southern New Hampshire projects, but also feeling more competent talking about politics with their neighbors, right? Like a huge range of, of ways they see those skills impacting their lives. Um, and then in particular for SNU's curriculum, our students love that it is direct assessment. So there's sort of one big project that students, for those of us who are not familiar with that term, like there's one sort of big project students are completing to show their skills in this particular area. And then they're getting feedback from a, a content expert at, on the SNUS team, right? And when they get the feedback, they're told either you have mastered all of the skills and we can see that in your projects. Like I'm, I'm looking at a work sample, I know you can do this, or they get uh, specific feedback around where they have not yet mastered the skills with some uh, support about how to get to mastery, but not giving the answers away, right? So they are, and they have unlimited attempts for mastery. And that is like chef's kiss for our students. They adore that um, because just it, it, it retrains the brain a lot around sort of failure and evaluation of learning and helps them uh, really focus on actually making sure that they are proficient in the skills they're trying to learn, right? So the standard is an A. And if you can get there in three days or three months, you will, you will do this at an A level, but it, it's going to be up to sort of you and your learning speed and what your needs are to, to get there. Um, so the, you know, the universities are accredited by their own accrediting body. We are not delivering any accredited curriculum ourselves. Um, we are partnering with these universities, have, you know, all sorts of contracts and all that good stuff. Um, and then, you know, we become uh, the, our students person, right? So we're, we're sort of walking alongside them and helping them navigate all the obstacles that pop up for them. Um, and those really vary by student and university and stage of life. So, but that's sort of how that, that's mostly the university side of things. And then I can obviously talk a lot more about what Peloton U actually does other than sort of curating that group of universities in the first place. Okay, that's a, I'm a very good description of of how it works, and I think anyone can can understand that. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to dominate too much. So, Joe, I'll I'll throw it back to you uh, for a little bit, and then I'm I'm going to come in and interrupt again. Okay. Um, one of the things that you do is is you you know first of all, let's talk about the number of students who who. I don't know, when you say post-traditional, define that for the audience, first yeah. of all, and then talk about how many students have tried college and failed and need something different. 
And let's yeah. just have that conversation. Well, it's a big number. Um, yeah. So post-traditional is uh, sometimes used interchangeably with non-traditional. I like post-traditional a little bit more for a reason I'll, I'll get to in a second. But uh, in essence, a post-traditional student is anybody who is not going to college right out of high school, full-time, living on campus, like reading Nietzsche on the quad, smoking hand-rolled cigarettes between classes. That last part's optional, right? But that's who, when we think of a college student, most of us uh, sort of out and about in our daily lives still think of like the, the sort of doe-eyed graduating high school senior heading off to some Ivy covered walls in the fall and they're going to go live in a dorm and do that whole thing. But that acts, those students actually only comprise about 25% of college going students these days. 75% uh, of students do not fit that description. And that's why I like post-traditional because we're in sort of a, a phase of, of higher ed participation where we are uh, we have moved beyond what it was sort of originally designed for, and there's a, just a lot more folks participating in the system who were not necessarily, uh, not they were not who the system was designed for. Uh, Let me interrupt you and say, yeah, I really think, and you're, I think you'll agree with this, that so much of credibility in the space right now, if you're writing or you're talking about students, you have to put some kind of qualifier before students. Yep. or else you're just losing credibility because you have no idea who the heck you're talking about. Yep. And if the assumption yep. is they're 18 years old, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on the way to an Ivy or any school for that matter, Watch that's it. probably not who we're talking about, right? Yeah, probably not. And so, then the qualifier has to exist. Yes, absolutely. And then even, you know, particularly for those of us who are sort of kicking it in the, you know, I was a former high school teacher and, and high school principal. Uh, and a lot of the conversations I have are still with folks who are working in that space. They're working around sort of education equity and access for students of color and first-generation college students. But those are still 18-year-olds going first-time full-time, right? They're, they're still not 25%. So a post-traditional student is gonna be older than 24. They're gonna be parenting while they're in school. They're gonna be working 30 plus hours a week. Um, they might be commuting to campus. They might be enrolling part-time. They might have delayed uh, matriculation to college by a year or more. They didn't go right out of high school. And so when you sort of take those uh, uh, characteristics and, and add them all up, that's how we get to that 75% of the college going uh, students in a given year are, are gonna fit into that bucket. And then to go back, Joe, to, to your question around sort of what's, what's the size of this community, we're talking about like 36 to 45 million folks who are 25 and up, have tried college and have, uh, so they have some credit and no degree. And this is data you can go pull off the US Census, you know, American Community Survey or whatever it's called website. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's just a tremendous amount of people who seemingly have a desire to learn and to gain some new skills and, and credentials, um, but have not yet found options that are designed for them. Um, and so I get, you know, excited about anybody designing for folks that are not experiencing success in the current system, um, regardless of what that solution is. And obviously pumped about the one that I get to be a part of, but. Too many learners are being left behind by the current one size fits all model of education. We here at EdUp and our friends at the Charles Koch Foundation see a better path forward. The Charles Koch Foundation supports innovators in education who are building and scaling new pathways to allow all learners to discover their potential. By changing the way we think about education, we can unlock opportunities for millions more Americans. To learn more about the Charles Koch Foundation support of individualized education, visit ckf.org.
you know, so Bill, some college, no degree went from like a category of folks to an entire market, right? When did, when did that happen? Oh, it, well, the market's been there. Um, the, uh, what, the, probably the seminal event was John Sperling and the University of Phoenix, which came actually in the 70s, again, still before you were born. Um, when John had this, this idea that, you know, that he originally started the university for, uh, for policemen and firefighters and teachers who needed to go back and um, progress in their lives through more education. <clears throat> and he, he did it as a, as a project at San Jose State University. And much to his surprise, once he, people found out about um, this model, he was overwhelmed. I mean, he simply could not keep up with the demand. Um, and he opened the floodgates, which eventually, you know, has resulted in places like Western Governors and Southern New Hampshire. And, um, and now you can go on and on. Almost everybody is, is doing at least a little bit about uh, a little bit of this. But again, um, it's, a, it's, an, it's just one more box. You know, we got out of that traditional box into what we might call the University of Phoenix model box. But what Sarah is looking at now is all right, let's get out of that box a little bit and see how we can help people who, who want to get into the box uh, and, and are having trouble uh, doing it. And that's, that, a good, that's a good point. Let me, let me yep. just ask then to you, Sarah, how they get into the box. College on demand. That's a, that's yeah. a you know what? I, I read your website and it's college on demand and I go, duh, like, Netflix on demand, <laughs> streaming on demand, yeah. you know, why isn't college on demand and why isn't anybody else saying it? I, I like that you're saying it college on demand. What does that mean? And is that the way to get in out of the box into the new box, so to speak, like Bill's terrible analogy was going on and on about. Yeah. I was like, gonna uh, help me. I be like, I just have a bunch of Amazon boxes, honestly. So we're good. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's so fascinating, and, and if you'll uh, forgive me, Joe, I'm going to take a quick detour and then get back to answering your question. But Bill, one of the things that popped into my head while you're just sharing was um, how uh, how much we we really sort of embrace and cherish a Peloton. You trying to design around like the patterns of the actual humans that we're interacting with, as opposed to like a sort of demographic criteria. Or uh, you know some college and no degree checkbox um, because we have we have eighteen year old students in our program who are post traditional students who are some of the most motivated, clear headed, balanced, thoughtful people I've ever met. Right, like they know exactly who they are and what they want to do, and they're eighteen. And then we've got thirty seven year old goobers like me who are like, what? <laughs> like, and who want a lot of help figuring out. And so there, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there that because we're in a certain stage of life or we come from a certain background or part of the country that like, you know, we must be lost. Like what 18 year old knows what they're, what they're doing? Like I didn't, but there are 18 year olds who do um, just like there are adults who are, feel lost in one direction. And, and so we've just really, um, you know, learned, we're very lucky to learn that lesson very early on in, in our work and, and sort of designing with our students and uh, have loved just being able to design it. And so that's what's led us, I'll, I'll tie it back in, Joe, to your question. That's what sort of led us to um, 
the way we have we designed the program overall. And then the college on demand language actually came through talking with students. We actually, this, you know, when did I ever think in my life I'd be part of like rebranding stuff, but we just did a rebrand over this past summer to really think about like, how do we talk about what we do in a way that um, reflects the experiences of our students and connects with the, the sort of frustrations. And that was something that came out of the idea of college on demand of, of talking about it like that was something that came out of conversations with our students, um, which is just really lovely. But, you know, to join, to join Peloton U, sorry, go somebody to hop in. Nope. nope. I'll keep going. Yeah, I, keep, I keep getting like a, whatever. Anyways. Um, so yeah, so to join Peloton U, you know, most, most of the students who come to us um, have had some complex prior experiences with education. Could be uh, secondary, could be post-secondary, um, but they, they typically don't have like stars in their eyes about going back to school. Um, and many of them, about half of our student body has tried college before and has not yet been successful. Uh, and so they often like aren't sort of sitting around thinking that their college material or that it's possible for them or that they can afford it. And so what we've seen is that oftentimes a student who's going to join our program needs to hear about us from someone they already know and trust. Um, so we do a lot of work to find students through partners who have really good relationships with their you know, alumni or employees or clients or community members who can help uh, vet us on behalf of our potential future students, but then also be that encouraging, trusted sort of first partner to the student until they, they learn that we, we, we will take good care of them as well and become one of those down the road. So that's how most students find us, but we, you know, we recruit in high schools and, that are traditional high schools. We work with Goodwill Excel centers and we, you know, we've got, we work with Dress for Success and Turner School alumni programs. Like it really sort of runs the gamut. Um, but one of the things that we, again, have designed for is to make the process of going back to college as easy as possible. Um, and one of the things we really admire about Southern New Hampshire is uh, how thoughtful their process is. So for example, uh, you know, a lot of our students are in their 30s and 40s. I wouldn't know how to get my high school transcripts if I had to. Would, like, would y'all know how to go get your, I've got no idea. I don't even know how to get my college transcript anymore. Um, and that's a thing that your college asks for when you apply, right, is your high school transcript. And Southern New Hampshire system is set up that if you tell it when you graduated and where you graduated from, they will go hunt it down for you. Like that is a gift yeah. to a, that is a gift to a student experiencing cognitive scarcity, which is, and honestly, that's most of us these days. Um, but like that just makes it so easy for them. So we've tried to build this sort of quote unquote admissions process into Peloton uh, or process of joining us that is designed to, again, partner with the student, build trust, help them navigate the process. They don't need to do test scores. Um, the transcript process can obviously be a little complex, but uh, we do try to make that as easy as possible. And then one of the other perks of the programs we, or the universities we partner with is that they have so many start gate options. Um, you know, Southern New Hampshire, again, the university our students uh, tend to prefer the most has six entrances to their CBE program over the course of the year. So even if a student, try, you know, maybe they have a New Year's resolution to, to go back to school and earn a degree before their son graduates high school, right? Like, even if they try to go back this month and realize that the timing's not quite right, like they can try again in March. And we keep a very open door 
sort of uh, policy sounds so formal, but we have a very sort of open door disposition towards um, starting and stopping with us as many times as you need. And they've actually designed a sort of free six week trial period for students before they enroll in college. Um, that, that's meant to sort of help help with that, which I can get into, but then I get like really nerdy. And I feel like y'all already know that I'm nerdy <laughs> and long-winded. So I'll shush there and, and let you guys ask anything else. We like nerdy around Great. here. Go ahead, Great. Bill. <laughs> I got it. You're a lot of nerd up in the space. We yes. like nerdy around here. Bill, over to you. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> but again, I sort of feel like you're you're reliving my my life. But what you're reminding me of, and other people who will listen to this podcast, is way back when we started out trying to do the things that you're doing now. And as what would become the University of Phoenix in southern New Hampshire became institutionalized, they also became somewhat monolithic. Mm -hmm. And we forgot yep. all those things that we used to do. Um, and Joe has heard me say this before, but John Sperling, who founded University of Phoenix, actually interviewed me when I was hired there in the 90s. And the only piece of advice- The 1890s did, or the 1990s? We'll talk about that later, Joe. Um, if you're my child, I'd now send you to, my, to your room. Um, but his, his piece Can I just of, laugh? I'm just laughing over here. Like, yeah. <laughs> His, his only piece of advice to me was, if you do the right thing for the student, everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it sounds like a really simple thing, but you can't argue with his success. And I've always tried to do that. And it's really, really good to hear um, someone going back to those to those roots and saying, you know, what we're what we need to do is provide pathways. Um, I mean, one of the analogies we're talking about education on demand and and Joe, you won't like this analogy either, but I, I use it um, that higher education in some ways needs to become like banking. Um, you know, I know where my local bank is and it, it is populated by very pleasant young people who are well-groomed and well-dressed, but most of the time I don't want to talk to them. Um, I want to do everything else transactionally, online, and if I need help, I want them to be there, but if I don't, leave me alone, I'll get it done when I need to get it done. Um, and people are always unhappy with that analogy, but I think I it's- like it. Oh, well, then it can't be very good. Um, <laughs> but it, I think it goes back to that. And I, it's really heartening for me to, to see what you're doing and for you to have no pretense about saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're not a university. We're not, you know, we're not, we don't do all that stuff. And I'm somebody who has dealt at length with the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board because I had campuses all over Texas. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting to hear if you <laughs> had to deal with that, but clearly you don't. Um, so yeah, just a well, little. Sure. There's a reason I know to make sure we say we're not a college. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is totally, that's also totally fair. Um, but yeah, I'm, I can. You don't want to fall under those regs for sure. You don't. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do another reverse podcast, Bill, and I'll just interview you about your uh, Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board experience. It's oh, it's stories great. Yes. <laughs> well, let's let's do this, uh, Sarah. We want to find out a little bit more about you before we kind of hit this, the next part of the uh, episode and, and close it out. So I want to know uh, two things. Number one, first, um, 
What? Uh, well, let me. I gotta do my. I gotta do my thing here. Are you ready for the curveball question? Always. No money. No money. Um, Sarah, what's your entrance music? What's the song that plays if you go on stage at commencement? At somebody's commencement, you walk into a room. You walk into yep. your living room. Nobody's listening. What song? If I rule music? the world. If I rule the world by Nas and Lauren Hill. Ooh, good one. Maybe one of the yep. best answers. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one. But I went to a, a Techstars demo day here in Austin a few years back, and another person had it as their walk-in song. I thought I was so original, but then I decided. That's pretty to good. Friends, why do you Why so. do you choose that song? Uh, it's it's it one. It sort of amps me up, and if you're not familiar with it, I would strongly recommend going and listening to it. Um, but the, the hook is if I ruled the world, I'd free all my sons. And when I think about sort of a, a context in which I might get a walk-on song, I would hope that I remember that the reason I'm so passionate about education is because of the freedom uh, that it, it facilitates for people to choose the life they want to live as opposed to responding to the sort of destiny zip code that they've been handed. And so I like to, you know, jam out to some good tunes and also remember why I care so damn much about what we do. Mm, well said. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and so the, the second part of my, you know, kind of personal uh, questioning here is you have obviously some superpowers. Um, you, you end up in, in education coming from teaching. You know, well, you, you were in education, but you weren't in higher education. Huh. And you have this passion, this superpower to change the world. And where does that come from? How do you end up co-founding Peloton You like just sitting around having coffee and you go, you know what, partner, whoever your partner is, we should just start this nonprofit college thing that might make a difference. Like, how does this happen? How do you get these superpowers? Yeah, man. Uh, that's a great question. The origin story at Peloton is actually like a really fun and long one, but I'm going to, I'm going to save it unless you really want me to tell you. Um, but my co-founder, uh, was somebody I, I had sort of met and he actually had been running Peloton for about a year and a half before I joined him. And I was leaving my principal job and was looking for, uh, an education position where I could make a difference, but, but have a life. And so he pitched me on, you know, coming to work uh, for him for a year to help him get some, some stuff in order. He's a, he's a brilliant thinker, one of the most kind-hearted humans I know, but his background is in sort of international development and community organizing. It's not education or social work or sort of any of the things that we, uh, any of the, the domains we need to pull on uh, for Peloton. He needed someone to come sort of help design the education base and make sure it was in good shape. And so he asked me to do it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, like maybe. And then like three months later, I pulled my head out of my, you know, where, uh, because what I finally connected was that the students I loved at the school I taught at, and that I ended up being the, the successor principal for, were heading off to our community college, lovely, well-intentioned place. But like, these were kids, these were young men I knew I knew how hard they worked. I knew how smart they were. And like within a semester or two, they were, they were not enrolled anymore. And so I finally was like, oh, what's happening to Francisco could be potentially solved by what Hudson, my co-founder is trying to build at Peloton U. Like, oh, I, I do, I do want to try and solve that problem for Francisco. Like I, I would love to figure out what that could look like for him. And then as it turns out, like the 18 year old Francisco leaving high school, post-traditional student himself, but like, it just gets harder with time, right? So that he turns into a 28 year old, 38 year old, 48 year old. And so while I thought my passion was young adults, 
um, it turns out we all just turn into adults. And so I, I was meeting these amazing, you know, people who had 10, 15, 20, 25 years on me who were just Francisco, but ahead of him in life. And they needed something like this too. Um, so I, you know, I told, I told Hudson, I'll work with you for a year and it, it'll be eight in May. And so I think in like 11 months in, he was like, you want to be my co-founder? I was like, yeah, sure. I'm just kidding. Amazing. I, like, I'm, sobbed. Amazing. I was like, oh, I'm so touched. <laughs> Thank you. Good story. Um, yeah. So I can't get idea credit for the, like Hudson picked out the ingredients. I just figured out how to cook with them. If that makes sense. For here, there's another story, Bill. There you go. Uh, uh, you're, we're on a roll. Yeah. Bill, over to you if you have any more questions. Uh, yeah, I got actually one quick one because I know then uh, Joe has a particular way he likes to end the podcast, and I certainly wouldn't want to step on that. I feel like you're saying I'm a control freak just a tad there, Bill. Um, <laughs> like, it's a good company, at least with me. <laughs> so does, does the name give you any grief? No, <laughs> a little bit. But it's also, if y'all indulge me, and I know this is, you know, no one's going to have a visual here, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I find my, I think I'm a wonderfully, you know, a decent looking human being. I, I love my body. I love my face. It's great, but I'm curvier. And so in the pre-COVID times, I used to get to crack the joke all the time with people like, oh, Peloton, you like the bike company. And I'd sort of step back and like sweep my hands down my body and be like, do you think I would be this curvy if I worked for the Peloton bike company? Like oh, I'd be in much yeah. better shape. And you just can't, that joke doesn't work on Zoom. Like y'all can only just see my little, my little cheeks and my neck, that's it. Um, but the spirit, if you'll indulge me, the spirit of the name uh, really still resonates to this day, which, and I'm not a cyclist um, and, and Hudson had named it uh, early on, but it's built on what a Peloton actually does in cycling, right? Which is allow a group of cyclists to go further faster by cycling together. And there's all sorts of like, fancy science, aerodynamics, things that go into it. And so the, again, the metaphor was that we will be our students' Peloton, right? Like we are here to, to reduce the sort of resistance and drag and help them keep pace and hand them a water bottle and, you know, make sure that, you know, pesky FAFSA form doesn't take out their wheels. Or, you know, <laughs> Has Peloton ever reached out and gone, you know what, actually, maybe we should partner with something. No, but maybe they're the CSR office for Pelotons listening to this podcast and wants to be my <laughs> best friends. Uh, we got big yeah, companies. Great. Who knows? But we, you know, we 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 just think you know, great minds think alike. So it's they're cool, I guess. That was cool with us, though. It's interesting because there <laughs> there would be some like SEO and PPC benefit for all your advertising, and you know, you're going to look for a Peloton, you end up looking at Peloton, you going, well, maybe I have, maybe I should go back to school. I mean, that doesn't hurt. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's, uh, there, there's a, a check word, I think that's spelled the same way our name is spelled. So if you get deep enough into a Google search, you'll come across a bunch of Czech language, uh, hmm. websites. Fun fact. Hmm. Ah, who For those of you who like to go Google random things, you're welcome. Well, we do. Uh, Bill does especially. <laughs> and he's get, I, one thing he's Googling right now is, uh, if I rolled the world by Nas and Lauren Hill guarantee he's going to go it's, listen to that. It's one. a, it's a, it's a bop. Is it, can I get it on vinyl? I'm sure you probably could. yeah you could but like because a hipster put it on vinyl not because it was released on vinyl that's right a track for you bill All right. so we um we like to ask two questions um let's close out every episode sarah number one what did we miss about peloton you what didn't you get a chance to say website event program i'm just giving you ideas anything you want to plug you got to open mic for a minute um and then secondarily to that 
what do you see as the future of higher education? Oh, these are, you know. these are the closing questions. Yeah, that's the closing. Those are the closing <laughs> questions. Um, God, what do I wish you asked? I mean, I always uh, love talking about the success of our students and, and really didn't get to any sort of stories about how incredible they are or really any data around how well they're doing, but they are incredible and they're doing extremely well. And if I could just beat the drum a little bit more of, um, it, particularly if you don't share life experience with the people you are trying to serve, uh, making sure that you design alongside them um, to, to build sort of, you know, point arounds like the office is not being open late enough. Like any working parent could tell you they can't get to an office by 4 p.m. But if I, I'm not a working parent, I wouldn't have known that unless they shared that with me. But that means I have to ask as the person in power. And so just would continue, like if, if someone's listening to this and they're wrestling with a problem, they don't know how to fix it, like go ask your students. They are experts in how to solve the annoying things in their life and they will gladly tell you how to figure it out. Um, and then I would just also say, like if someone's listening to this and they're like, man, that sounds really cool. I wish people in my community had access to it. Uh, drop us a line at the um, hybrid college website. There's a little form you can fill out. We'd love to talk and see if working with you might make sense. Um, cause we're, we're growing all across the country. So, or maybe there's a hybrid college in your neighborhood already and we can get you connected to them. Awesome. Yep. Future of higher education, Sarah. Well, I think we're going to decentralize the bejeebers out of it. I think we're heading, I hope we are, I hope we're heading to a lot of sort of pushing power and autonomy over learning and pace and uh, interoperability into the hands of the learners themselves. Um, I hope, I hope, I think we're getting there. I hope we like normalize uh, lifelong participation in the post-secondary education system. I think we talk a lot about lifelong learning, but I know all of our, all, almost all of our students who are, uh, you know, 27 or older feel shame about being the age they are and being in college. Um, and I think it's actually really beautiful that people want to learn for the rest of their lives and go get some credit for it. Um, so I hope we continue to head in that direction and God, like if we could just get a really fabulous movie made the features of like, I just want everybody to realize that a college kid is not a college kid anymore. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's just my last little two cents. So maybe, maybe some fancy director will make us a, uh, unsung post-traditional student hero story and we can all collectively realize that there it's totally normal to go to college at any age any life stage that's it love it that's my, my very unsavvy predictions or hopes well <clears throat> you're doing great work so what yeah. you have to say matters a lot to the industry right now and um be before i exit you from this podcast sarah i, I first want to thank my co-host today um you know him You've listened to him. Sometimes he goes on for a long time, but that's part of uh, being an expert, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Dr. Bill Pepicello. Thank you, Joe. Sarah, you did an excellent job. And Thank you. Joe, I think you did an excellent job, Bill. If uh, Joe will tell you, I will. Uh, and Joe, you were average. Right. Well, the, and the average Joe, it comes from someone. <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, uh, you know her, you love her. You've listened to her, and now you'll follow her work. There she is, Sarah Saxon Frump. She's co-founder and COO of Peloton U. What's going on, Sarah? And uh, we say, what's going on? Lots for you. I wish you the best 
of success and you will now stay in touch with the edup experience podcast and we will champion you and your work thank you so much for having me all this was a real treat ladies Lots and gentlemen laughs. yeah there you go ladies and gentlemen you've just ed upped The purpose of education is to help learners discover their aptitudes and interests, develop their skills, and then deploy that knowledge to benefit themselves and others. The Charles Koch Foundation, a nonprofit grant-making organization, works with leaders in education to remove barriers that stand in the way of all learners reaching their potential. They support individualized and flexible models that improve access and quality for millions of Americans. They also support apprenticeship and upskilling programs that connect learners to in-demand jobs that match their skills and interests. The foundation is looking for new partners to challenge the status quo and transform the post-secondary education system. Learn more about their partnership opportunities and apply for a grant at ckf.org. You can also find them on Twitter at, at @ccokefoundation Foundation and LinkedIn by searching Charles Koch Foundation.